it is. <laughs> the abrupt intro ending. Welcome in. It's the John Cad po John Cast podcast. I'm trying to figure out which camera to look at. I've got too many cameras here. Welcome into the podcast. Thanks for joining the podcast. And a reminder to follow, subscribe, whatever you got to do so you don't miss a new episode of the John Cast podcast and whatever podcast platform you have. Go do it right now. And that way, like I said, you're never going to miss a new episode. Well, today's guest, I'm going to get right into it. Today's guest is the former coach of the University of Wisconsin volleyball team, and he's my broadcast partner for home games for the Badgers on Fox Sports 1070 and, of course, on the iHeartRadio app. Today, I'd love to talk some volleyball, some sports, some whatever with Pete Wade. Welcome to the John Cast podcast for the first time ever. How's it going, Pete? Uh, it's great. Good morning. Good to see you again. Just saw you yesterday afternoon, but uh, two days in a row is awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, long time no see, right? Uh, welcome yeah. into the podcast. And, um, you know, I'd love to, obviously, I also want to talk a little bit about Steve Lowe in in, in a second or two with you, uh, because it was Steve Lowe day at the volleyball match yesterday. It's the first, you know, Big Ten home openers, kind of the tradition for Steve Lowe day. And I do want to talk about that. But just in general with this volleyball team, you know, I come away from this weekend and I look at it like this, like I knew Wisconsin can be great. Like we've seen these great moments, whether that's coming back on a 7-0 run in a set against Arkansas to help them win that in five sets, whether it's at Marquette going on that 5-0 run in the third, whether it's down 0-2 to Florida, like we've seen these great moments. To me, this weekend felt like it was like a solid two tests for this team. And they looked really good. I mean, there were a lot of things to be happy about. One thing that kind of stood out to me was Yulia Ojo serving. She had a couple of aces Friday night. She had a couple of aces again on Sunday. Devin Robinson has kind of exploded for about three, over 3.3 kills per set, I think it is, over the two matches. What were your thoughts on the two Big Ten opening matches for Wisconsin Volleyball? Well, they're solid. There's no doubt. They're they're so deep now. They, they're able to tweak the lineup according to some weaknesses they see within themselves or that some other teams expose uh, for them. Uh, you got Steve Aird. I talked to the Indiana coach yesterday. And, you know, they're one of the top serving teams in the country, and they wanted to take advantage of uh, getting Wisconsin out of system. But it turns out that, you know, Yulia is the liberos passing really well. They stayed in system right away. And I mentioned on the on the broadcast it seemed like they were running the middle and forcing it a lot early that, you know, something they haven't done uh, all season, which is great. Every team wants to do that, but if you're, but if you're not passing well enough, you can't. And so they were getting their middles involved, which then meant by the second set, the Indiana middles were freezing and had a, you know, flinch a little bit on the middle and then they couldn't get to the backside of Robinson. So Robinson's game opened up. Um, so the numbers were really good for the middles on the right side. And, um, and just anything that looks like a weakness on Wisconsin right now, they are working on and evolving and changing and trying different things all the time. In the last two weeks, we saw that in the, especially the passing positions. Yeah. And, and so when you come up against Indiana, they seemed like a very good uh, test for those passers. So they, they seem to pass that test, but you talked about how they were able to get the middles like that part of Wisconsin needs to be solid because when you get, better quality team that has more aspects that can that can hurt you like you have to it all it all starts with that basically right is that the whole concept it uh, you know everybody will tell you serve and pass serve and pass is the big thing if you're serving tough you keep the other team out of their quick offense and it limits the options they have and then yeah. the blockers can kick out early right or left to get to the, those attackers uh, but if you're serving tough and passing well you can beat anybody and that's the thing with wisconsin in their middles 
you know, they've got some times where they've got six, seven or six, nine in the middle. And we talked to Izzy last night or after the match. And she just said, it's such a big window to just throw the ball up into. And any setter will know that if you've got a small window, you've got to be super precise. But if it's a big, tall player, big jumper, you just throw it up there and they can just wail away, you know, throw it, tip it deep, whatever they want to do. And you do one-on-one. So the middle block, it's just, I, for middles on the opposing teams, it's a nightmare mm-hmm. to try to follow those kids when you're passing well. Um, it's really tough. So that's what opens things up for them on the outsides then. With, here's a question that pops up. So with these kind of big targets that the setters have to work with, does that allow Wisconsin to be a little messier in their passing if, if it happens to go that way, that they can still get bailed out because they've got and, – and I bring this up because it reminds me a little bit of when Stanford crushed Wisconsin in the national championship match. Sorry, I didn't mean to make that so um, – harsh but they they were just they just threw it up to Catherine Plummer and she just took care of the rest is, is there a little bit of that with this team then yeah you know the setters don't have to be right at the net and be, have to be able to set the middle they're getting pulled off the 810 foot line and still throwing it up there on a 31 just shooting it to them and it's working but then you've got that bailout person Franklin has mm-hmm. just been unbelievable on the outside and that's what they've really needed is somebody who's got all kinds of shots she'll go deep corner chop line sharp cross court uh, whatever they roll shot to the middle. She's got every shot in the book and it doesn't matter if there's two blockers on her or not. So, you know, you're talking about a kid who medically they didn't think was going to be coming back and playing this year, much less ever with some blood clots in her arm. And suddenly she's just phenomenal. I shouldn't say suddenly she's doing great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She... They didn't think they'd even have her. So you not only have the middles doing well and the right side with Robinson, you got her on the outside doing really well. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, she's obviously over a thousand career kills, but man, she's been she's like I had, and I totally know what you're saying. She's just kind of it seems like stepped it up a, another notch this season for Wisconsin. So I'm like trying to think through these last two matches, like what what hasn't been good, and it's not that I want to focus on that, but it's just like I mean, Cece's serving really well. Booth is unstoppable when she gets set she's like barely has hitting errors their defense is amazing with booth and smacking everybody like i'm still they're passing well like i'm trying to figure out like what they might need to work on is there anything that stands uh, it's it's still going to be serve receive i think there's still times where there's their defense is better than their serve receive um and it just happened in the case of indiana where they had a few players who are jump top spin uh servers and sometimes those are actually easier to handle than floaters and we talked to Coach White after the match, and you know he said they they've got a machine like a pitching machine. They basically throw balls in there, and they can have all kinds of spin on it, and uh, really helps them uh, get used to those. But it's hard to mimic a floater other than just serving floaters, and you can't be predictable with floaters because they're all over the place. They're up, down, they're left, to right, and those are the tough ones. And some kids are passers are better at it than others, and that's the thing they got to keep working on. If they can do that. Um, they'll continue to be undefeated and beat everybody and just make a huge run. Now, yesterday was Steve Lowe day. He's the late coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. He coached the 1990 championship, big 10 championship team. And you and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. That was kind of the start in this state, um, in the city where, we had this explosion of of attendance uh you know in madison and now we're kind of seeing that in the game all over the country where these record-setting crowds are popping up but 
as far as locally in Madison, Steve Lowe not only kind of set that bar, but he was kind of the first coach to, to kind of push this pro- program in the right direction and get it started. What were your What are your thoughts on on Steve Lowe as we uh, remember the former Badger coach, the late Steve Lowe, um, every single season? Well, Steve actually started in California at the University of Pacific, which at the time was one of the most dominant programs in the country with John Dunning as their coach. And he went in there, not really with a volleyball background, but it was more sports psychology, but he was around a, a great volleyball team. And he brought that to Madison. And I remember, you know, moving into the office, which at one point was his and the desks, and I'm pulling out some folders that are about sports psychology and things he had written. And it was really interesting to see. And he just had a way about him that made the players really comfortable, which meant in recruiting, he was able to draw some kids, especially to a program that had not been strong before he got here. And once those kids got here, you know, you got Liz Tortorello did so well as a setter. And we interviewed her a couple of weeks ago uh, when her daughter was playing in the match for Arizona, I believe. Um, uh, Lisa Boyd, actually Lisa Boyd came out of the Chicago area. I actually coached Lisa Boyd in club ball just years before she came here. Um, and she became a great an All-American for Wisconsin. But he built it from nothing. And the fan base went from they actually used to play in the natatorium. Mm-hmm. And then they got to the field house. And once you got the field house going and um, the fans started coming, we still have fans like from 1990 that are still coming now and still sitting in the same seats. That's that's how much he grabbed them with the attitude of the players, the level of the players, the excitement in the field house. All those things are things we've stood on the shoulders of and ridden all this way um, to where it is today. It's, it's continued to build. But 1990, what did you say? They had at one point 10,000 three or 400. Yeah. So it went from like 2000 setting records. Then it got to about, I think it was like 4,900. I'd have to double check the numbers. Then 10,900, like the people started showing up. Yeah. Yeah. And right now they're calling a sellout like 7,200 because they've changed the configuration and the safety rules and things like that. So just imagine another 3000 in there packed shoulder to shoulder um, and it's we've only had over 10,000 a couple of times in the field house uh, until they've changed the rules now. So it's still a great environment, but imagine it back then when they had nothing and then built into that very quickly and just had some really exciting matches. Right. So when you look at the growth of volleyball and all these record attendance uh, marks that the Badgers have even seen at Arkansas, like this is nothing that I've, I've been doing this for 15, 16 years. I've, I mean, you go on road matches. It depends on which program you're going to, whether or not that's going to be a highly attended match. But Arkansas program record, Florida program record, Northwestern program record, 17,000 at Pfizer form. And that's just that's just where Wisconsin's going. That's not counting everything else. So to think like 33 years ago, Madison got 11,000 fans and now the rest of the country is starting to get their 10, 11, 12,000 fans. It's kind of interesting to look at it from that perspective, but what do you make of this sudden growth in attendance at the actual matches across the country? Yeah. You know, I don't see it as sudden growth. I see it as slow growth that built to this point uh, because, you know, back in the nineties when he got it going, then it went into the high schools and the clubs and the kids, just more and more kids started playing because they came to watch the, Badger athletes, the volleyball players, and they got so excited about it. The the fans loved the field house. It just built, you know, Nebraska's always been strong attendance. Hawaii's been strong attendance. But now all those other schools are building and building. And add in there the fact that they changed the scoring rules for volleyball just for this reason, you know, so they could get it on TV more. It used to be regular scoring would be side-out scoring. If 
you'd have to have the serve to score. Um, and they, it just took too long. You could go, you know, for a five game match, you could go three hours. And that was, and TB said, that's too much. We can't fit that in. So they went to rally scoring, which was already going on internationally. And they went to, you know, around two hours, they can go hour 45 to 215 and they can squeeze it in a lot of places. And so I think that helped a lot. And, and that's been in the last 20 years, probably we've gotten on TV more. Now you're seeing it on SportsCenter top 10, you're seeing it in different highlights, you're seeing all different net networks and not just the Big Ten Network, but the Fox, ESPN, ESPN2, it's everywhere. So everybody's seeing it and seeing how much fun it is. I'm interested, do you remember what those notes on sports psychology that you found from Steve in, in that desk, in that coach's desk, do you remember kind of the, the, the main ideas that he was writing down? It's been a long time since I've seen those notes um, and I'm sure it's deeper than I even understand. But I think if you even talk to Kelly Sheffield, I left them for him in the desk when I left. So he probably has those. So if you want to ask him if he's got them, you could probably mm. just read through them and and uh, and learn a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. You almost coached with him too. Is that correct? I did. So I was coaching in the Chicago area doing club ball for three years, um, 84, 85, 86. And then 86, I got a job at Illinois State <clears throat> for the fall of 86. And he gave me a call. He had an opening for an assistant coach knew I was from Madison and he said hey you know you want to come up and be my assistant coach and I'd known him through recruiting and stuff seen him on the recruiting trail um, but I just said hey I just moved my family down here I've only been here a few months and I just think I need to stay and so I could have been his assistant coach here which would have been interesting but it, yeah. as it turns out I just needed more time coaching myself before I came back to Madison I really was only at Illinois State for two years, but then Northern Illinois for 11 as a head coach. And then I came up in 99 to Madison, um, you know, and, and he had his big years while I was at Northern Illinois. And we did compete against each other, mm -hmm. but I could have been on his staff. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. That's it's funny how those things, I don't blame you, right? Like you just got, to, you've been, I've been here two yeah. months. I can't just, that must have been, that must have been really tough because like you said, you're from the area. And he had not built the program up to the 1990 sure. level yet. He had yeah. just been built, started building it. Um, and I, I got to give also credit to his assistant, Stephanie Haubecker and uh, Margie Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, they really built it up. Uh, got the recruits in, trained them well. Uh, unfortunately, Margie has also passed. You know, so that's very sad that two members from the same staff passed at a young age from cancer. Mm. Um, but they, boy, they made a, a big imprint on the program and the city and the state, everything. They got it going. Yeah. I mean, it gave, it definitely gave Wisconsin a head start, uh, you know, for volleyball to where we are now, uh, for sure. Okay, Pete, you and I broadcast the matches on the radio, home matches on the radio, something that started at the field house. So if you don't know about this, maybe you do if you've been to matches, if you haven't been to a match, this started at the field house where they've been, they've been able to broadcast our um pre pre-game show well they've been able to broadcast the game and the pre-game show exclusively inside the field house but they connect our connection like our radio connection the field house taps into that before the actual radio broadcast so many people in attendance now i'm trying to say exclusively in the field house but there's a certain part of the field house <laughs> we're exclusively heard in the field house. So if you go to a match, you're going to get the pre pre game show. That's not heard on the radio. That's heard exclusively 
in the restrooms at the That's UW right. Fieldhouse. That's right. And, and we have dubbed it since you have a John cast. We call it a John cast potty cast in the, you know, in the bathrooms there. And I, I think it's a great name for it. I think, uh, you know, the thing is in the field house, I don't think they can hear us because the music is playing in the, in the, in the gym area, but in the bathrooms, you can hear it. It's quieter in there. So people might start gathering in there now for the potty cast for listening. Now it's 15 minutes before the game starts. You're on there and uh, they can hear you a little bit for some tidbits and some trivia. Um, but it is pretty funny considering the first time we started it, we, we didn't know we were on it uh, until somebody <laughs> let us know. And it's like, all right, now we know we're on in the bathrooms. I get a um, text from Dennis Punzo, like you guys are on in the bathrooms and you're <laughs> like, where, where, what? Where, where people are listening to us talk right now. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, so that was good to, to figure that out as quickly, I guess, as we did. So if you are at the field house about, you know, 15, 10 minutes before uh, the pregame show. The pregame show, by the way, starts 15 minutes on the radio before the first serve. So, for example, one o'clock match, 12:45, we go on the radio, but we go live in the fieldhouse restrooms <laughs> at about 12:35. So, if you want to be part of that, or if you have listened to that, um, you should like let me know. Like, Mark, uh, go on Twitter or go on Facebook and just let me know that you're a, a pre-pregame show, a podcast listener. Um, I, what else could we do on that? I mean, we, we just basically start talking. Yeah, we do. I mean, lots of, I mean, we're just talking about the game in general. If we, you know, the players, the coaches, anything like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if some people in the general seating are willing to leave their seats to go in there 15 minutes beforehand. They don't want to lose their seats, but people in reserve seating, maybe they'll go in there. <laughs> we're uh, going to so have, with us. you know how everyone lines up before the match to get into the field house. I think that's, what's going to start happening in the restrooms. <laughs> that's right. At about, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes before first serve, people are going to start lining up to get to get the pre-pre-show. Well, no, you got really popular if we start seeing lines before the match starts in the bathrooms. That would be pretty funny. Or so standing if, room only, something like that. <laughs> so if you are uh, at a, uh, a future event, if you're planning on going to a volleyball match, you might want to check out the broadcast in the restroom. Uh, but I actually do think it's cool because like, if you do happen to miss some of them, like you're yeah. going to keep up to date with it. So, so you're um, saying it's happening during the match also, if there's a timeout, yes. they go in there, yes. you'll be on it or it's just pregame. Anything we, as soon as the broadcast on the radio starts, all of that goes to the restroom. So from the start to the game, to the intermission, to the post game, it's all there. So you won't miss a thing. People don't seem to leave their seats much, but maybe now they will. Yeah. Now we miss things doing these broadcasts because we're focused on volleyball. Like we miss Packer games or Badger yes. games sometimes. Well, not really Badger games, but uh, on Friday I missed a Badger game because of volleyball. But on Sunday I missed a Packer game. So uh, I know you're a big sports fan. So before I talk about Badger football, I think we got to talk about the Sunday game that we missed, both of us, with the Green Bay Packers, because you had it on your laptop. You showed me, like, they scored again. It's like 17 nothing in my brain. I've already got the Packers down at 1-2. and two. I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a rough week. And then at the end, as we're leaving, I'm leaving. I'm, uh, I see you in the car in the, in the Fieldhouse parking lot. You told me the Packers won. What would you make of the game yet on Sunday? Well, like you said, I had it on my laptop, so we're – you know, we're calling the volleyball game, but glancing over to the scores and it just did not look good at all. And and really, I was thinking about friends who were at the game and thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not there. I mean, it's not bad missing it today, you know, because they're just getting crushed. And suddenly, you know, 
I shouldn't say suddenly, we're so focused on the volleyball game, we didn't pay attention to the screen for the rest, obviously the fourth quarter of football, even the second half, until I got out to my car and I turned on the radio and I started hearing they were about to try the, New Orleans was trying a field goal and they missed the field goal. And this was, they said to go ahead. I'm thinking to go ahead, how did the Packers get ahead? And so that was crazy, just hear that part. And then the, obviously the, the fans went nuts when they missed the field goal and the Packers win and it's like, man, I got to see the highlights of this thing. <laughs> we missed out on that, but it's phenomenal. And that's sports, you know, you just never, until, until in football, the buzzer sounds and it's over, you never know what could happen. And uh, you could have a great first half, but not a bad, not a great second. You know, in volleyball, we talk about that all the time where it's different sets and it literally stops. So at least you don't get crushed 70 to 10, like right. Denver did or something like that, <laughs> you know, because in volleyball, if it would just kept going and going, you'd have some crazy, scores but it stops and you can start again and like we saw against indiana wisconsin killed them in the first set but then indiana came back and lost 23 25 it was very close and that's what i think makes volleyball real exciting too but that football game mm-hmm. that's an awesome win for the packers it is and because like i said you, you could be this is how close the packers are they're two and one and everybody's excited about jordan love because he leads a, a great fourth quarter comeback from down 17 points but it easily could be one and two and Jordan loves off to a good start, but he didn't look that good against the saints. There's this fine line of this either, or, and the Packers are going in the, in the positive direction. And I'll say this about Jordan love. I don't know what you think of him. He is totally surprised and exceeded expectations for me because right now this guy's got seven touchdowns, one pick his completion percentage isn't the highest. Um, and he's got a fourth quarter comeback. And I, that's about as good as you could possibly ask for a first year starting quarterback through his first three games. Two and one, great touchdown to interception ratio. There are things he needs to improve on, obviously. Um, but man, I don't know if it could get any better of a start for Jordan Love. Yeah, and this is, he's doing this without some of his key players, which is pretty amazing. I mean, that's unreal. I would just say that he is a good learner and he did not waste his time around Aaron Rodgers. He, I think, was a sponge and he soaked up everything he could from the technical skills to the mental to the emotional, everything, because he is just very composed out there. And even without his best pass blocker, you know, he was, you know, Bakhtiari in there and his best running back and best receiver, best, best, best. Right. Probably at least four or five guys. And they still found a way to win. And he was just steady and really clutch when it came down to the key moments at the end, because some athletes are able to step up and they live in a zone where they're very comfortable when it gets crazy. And you see that with Wisconsin volleyball and all different sports. Some people just, they need to be challenged to get to that point. And then suddenly everything slows down for them and they're very comfortable. And I think that's the kind of athlete he is. Wow. That that's probably a good thing, right? Because those are the moments, those are the moments that, determine whether or not you win in the playoffs, make the playoffs or, or even more, right? Those are those type of game defining players. Wow. That's very highly complimentary of, of Jordan love. And, and I think you make a really good point, Pete. Like I talked about some things he needs to work on, which obviously he's a first year quarterback. He's going to have stuff he has to work on. He's not going to be perfect out of the gate. But um, one of the things I mentioned was his completion percentage, which is at 53%. That's, that's, that's bad. That's that needs to be better. But everything you just said makes sense. Like no Bakhtiari, no Watson, no Aaron Jones. Like he's doing this, like he's doing this with backups, basically. Now imagine if everything is there and and everyone's healthy, 
Like that has to ultimately help him, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. You talked about, you know, his <clears throat> past completions percentage, but who are his two, two of his top receivers? Who are they? Uh, well, it'd be Reed who would be. Well, I mean, who is out right now? Oh, Christian Watson. And what running back? Oh, yeah. And, uh, a top Aaron receiver. Jones. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Put those one of those guys in there. His percentage is going up. Put two in there. It's up a lot higher. He is. He will be better with the better players around him. But he's doing really well with what I would say is maybe no name players, people you don't recognize their names as much. But he's doing really well. And that's got it. So Reed and Dubs are obviously two of his top targets. Um, the tight end too, Musgrave. So like I think not only yes, I think things improve if and or when everybody's healthy and together, but that's also then at the same time, like they're winning games, he's being productive and everybody else, like these complimentary players that once teams start taking out Watson and Jones and focusing more on them, if they come back now, all of a sudden these guys have more experience too, right? Oh, absolutely. Then they're deeper. They're better yeah. as, as a whole team, but also they've been very uh, lucky with scheduling as far as who they've played so far. Yep. You got to yep. look at that too. It's been just the perfect mix of teams they're playing who are not just dominant forces. Um, they've got a shot at beating. Um, Chicago, they've just gone downhill from when we saw them. You know, New Orleans, you know, they're in transition. So it's just some teams that it worked out well for the Packers to be, as they're figuring things out and they've got guys injured, to meet these teams so they can be better when and play with more confidence when they meet the tougher teams. Yeah, that's a, that's another good point. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Badger football. Like I said, I wasn't able to watch Friday night's win uh, at Purdue as well. But, of course, one of the big storylines, unfortunately, is the loss of Ches Malusi for this season. Uh, Braylon Allen was in, and I feel like it's it's going to be up to Braylon Allen now with Ches out. Yeah, Ches, that's – it's really sad. You know, when you see an athlete, fifth year, right, he's, you know, put all this time in. Mm -hmm. um, to be the guy, one of the main guys in the offense, and he gets hurt like that in season ending, you know, just, and you've been around the athletes, you've seen the, them in the training rooms, you've seen everything they go through. And then when there's that final point where they just realize they can't come back from it, it's brutal for them. And the team has to pick up and somebody has to fill in that hole. Like you said, Braylon Allen will probably get more touches and he's, he's a great player. Um, their offensive line still has to open up bigger holes for him because people will key on him even more. Um, but still, I think overall as a team, again, they're in transition, new coaching staff, they've got new offense, all, all, new defense, all kinds of things going on. So um, it's going to take them time. And I think they had a, a big hype machine going, getting into this season, but it's still a lot of new kids in the program, a lot of new ideas, and it's going to take them time to evolve and get there. And, um, you know, one thing you didn't mention about Coach Fickles, he, he was at the match yesterday. Yes. You know, that was another... He was. He didn't watch a lot of the match because he had a. He was busy probably with recruits on the phone. But I think uh, his daughter being on, on the opposing team with Indiana was pretty cool. Yeah, she's a freshman for the Hoosiers. At one point, the crowd at the field house. We want fickle. Yeah. The chance of we want fickle started. I thought that was pretty cool. Was um, one of one other thing I noticed about Badger football that I uh, noticed actually at BadgerNotes.com, uh, most covered snaps played without allowing a touchdown in college football, Wisconsin's Ricardo Holman. So, and he had a couple of picks uh, against Purdue. So he leads the nation with most covered snaps played without allowing a touchdown. So that's something wow. I think we need to highlight as well, because like you said, there's all these different 
new players, different sides of the ball, new coaches all trying to mesh together and work. And that's got to be a positive defensively, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got a stopper out there, you know, just like in volleyball, you got some blockers that just, they've got a knack for it. They just are in the right place at the right time and their timing is perfect. You get that kind of guy on the football field and it just changes the defense and they've got to go away from him. But it also amazes me when you say that just the number of different stats that that they have for every sport. It's like, how do they get this? I mean, you've seen like how fast are guys coming off the line and they've got four different guys. Here's their times all under a second, but it's different. It's like, how do they get all these stats? It's I, I blame I bl- is it does it I think that kind of starts with baseball, doesn't it? Baseball gets nerdy with all their little stats that you can put together. And then the other sports are like, hey, that's working for the A's. They seem to be playing, you know, to the yeah. stats and it's work. And now now everybody there's how many more stats are there nowadays? I guess from the volleyball perspective, yeah, uh, than when you were a coach. And then in all sports, like you said, there are there's stats for anything. Yeah, I'd say in it was like every 10 years there was a big jump, you know, back in 30 years ago when Steve Lowe was doing it, it was all pen and paper and just writing down charts and the kids are on the end of the bench doing the charts for shot charts, things like that. And then you know, we had what's called data volley and you had somebody on the bench coding and doing those things. Um, and you could get some shot charts, but you're still doing some by hand. So it's kind of a mix. Um, and now it's crazy. They can put together an 80 page scouting report on the other team, which is, it depends. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. It's good if the coaches understand it and can give the players just enough information. But if they give them too much information, some players' minds just kind of explode with too much info going on because you have to play freely on the court. You have to play loose, know what's important, trust your coaches to tell you the other things you don't didn't totally memorize, um, but you have to be able to just react in the moment. So yeah. stats are great but it can be too much sometimes. And it's great for the media because then they get to have a stat that proves their point. And then you can probably find a stat that kind of like doesn't prove your, I don't know. You can find a stat for anything. If you have a point, yeah. there's a stat that's going to make your point probably. Yeah. And, and you're so good at that. It's amazing how you scan things and you'll find, you'll pick out things, all different stats and pop up the trivia and stuff. It's like, that's impressive stuff. I'm not as much of a numbers guy. Yeah. I'm more for a feel of the game or a feel for sports or that kind of thing. But um, you do a good job of that. Okay. Uh, last question for you, because uh, from a coaching perspective, one thing I was excited for this weekend was to watch this top 20 showdown, Oregon and Colorado, Deion Sanders, unbeaten Buffaloes. So I was like, all right, I'm in. You've been winning games. Let's go, primetime. And I said, either this is where Colorado does it again, and they're on the map, and watch out for the Buffaloes this season. This is what I said to my wife. I said, either they're – I want to watch this game because either they do that or they get blown out, and it's kind of like a reset mode, and it was the blown out option. They got blown out. But kind of what are your thoughts on on Primetime and what he's done, Coach Prime, and and what do you think they might do the rest of the season? Because they've got another great match – or game, rather, against USC coming up this weekend. Yeah, he's actually done an amazing job of getting a real focus, not just on him, but the uh, Colorado football program and what he's doing as far as – he's always had an attitude, even as a player. He's got an attitude, but a, but a lot of confidence too. And that sometimes <clears throat> turns people off. Other people are attracted to it. Um, but you got to play with confidence when you're playing and coaching, and that's a big thing. I think reality hit their program this weekend in the form of their opponent, who was just at a certain point, talent just will, you know, a great team will crush a, a good team. Um, and it'll become very evident uh, because they're more disciplined. They're faster in many ways, bigger, faster, stronger, as they say. Um, but he's still, he made a good point of saying, Hey, 
we're still building. And that's what some people don't realize. They're still in transition, just like we've talked about some other sports and other programs. It takes time, just like Wisconsin football program. It takes time for it to really mature and grow and evolve. And so he did some amazing things in the first couple of wins and his team did. But boy, that was reality set in right there. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I do enjoy this whole, whatever you want to call it, drama circus. Like I've, I've bought into it because it's gotten me excited for some college football matchups. No way before would I have seen Colorado and been like, Ooh, I got to watch the Colorado game. <laughs> so, right. I mean, the something's working there as far as not only on the field, but just getting excitement for the, for the sport really. Yeah. And that's in that city in the state. I mean, it's mm-hmm. crazy. You know, they had game day there um, yeah. last Saturday and that was huge. And the fan support is huge. You're getting tickets is tough now. And what did they have last year? One win last year, or was it? I think it was one. Yeah. One win. Mm-hmm. It's already an amazing turnaround, you know, so he, he has done some great things. So yeah. I know you said last question, but I want to make sure you talk about your junior reporter uh, who was with us yesterday. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. So my daughter uh, joined us, What joined me for the match, came with me to, uh, as I got everything ready for the pregame and you got some great pictures. Thank you for that. Apparently. And I asked her, uh, she had my microphone, like, right? so I have a microphone that I connect to my phone to do pregame interviews. Um, but I don't use that during the game. I use a headset. So she took that microphone and she was watching the game and she was talking into that microphone. Now it wasn't connected to anything, <laughs> but I asked her afterward, I'm like, what, what were you doing there? Like, were you announcing? She's like, yeah, a little bit. I was announcing a little bit there. I'm like, next time you got to let me connect that and record. Like I'll take 10 seconds. I'll take anything yeah. and then we'll stop recording. But that was pretty cool. Thanks for getting those pictures and video. And I, I don't know if you can put it up for people to see here, but it was so cute just because you were next to me and she was behind you and she's on the mic talking and you got your headsets on and you're both working. She's following dad's footsteps a little bit and it was just super cute. And uh, it would be neat if she allowed you to get a tape recorder on there or some kind of recorder. Um, and just let her listen to it back. But she really was into it. And it was just super cute. Yeah. Well, thanks. I was, I, I agree. And I actually, uh, she was a paid uh, assistant yesterday. So she would, I told her every time there's a run of three or more points, you know, you let me know with your fingers, how many points the other team or Wisconsin has gone on. So she would yeah. you give me. And so every time wow. that happens, I would, I would pay her a certain amount of money. Um, just to try to keep money. her engaged. I thought it yeah. was hot dog or hot dog and drink, but you got money involved. Oh, that's that's just free. That's just the per diem she gets. She just gets that for free. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, but that was really cool. Uh, so me- that's my goal next time is to actually connect it to the phone and actually get yep. a recording. So I think that would be cool. I think that's something she would love hearing now and in the future. Just And who knows what she's <laughs> going to do with it down the road. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Unfortunately, no, I don't. I didn't have the the pictures available right now to show that, but maybe, maybe sometime you can post we'll it afterwards. And uh, yeah. So is there anything you want to plug Pete? Plug? Nah. Anybody needs help it? with real estate. That's my, that's my gig now, you know, doing a little in the office right now doing real estate, but it's gone well. I've been able to, you know, stay in the city that where I grew up, you know, grew up in Monona and I live on the West side, but doing real estate has been great, but also staying connected to the volleyball program and uh, working with you has been a lot of fun. We got to go to Pfizer forum. Um, and do that match. That was fantastic. Um, so it, it's great because coaching is a grind. I mean, you know that if, if anybody, you've been around it for women's basketball, women's volleyball, 
Um, it's a lot of work and you just see the competitions. You don't see the other half of the year where coaches are out recruiting. Yeah. So after 30 years of that, I was very happy to make a change uh, to something where I'm still working nights and weekends with real estate, but it's, I'm in, I'm in town. I'm not on the road and, and getting back at the wee hours and then starting the day early. So uh, yeah. it's been a nice change, but still fun to watch the program. Look up Pete. If you need any, uh, any real estate needs, look up Pete. Uh, for sure, he'll be able to to help you out. So yeah, that's and you're right. Like I don't I don't see I just see I don't even see the week of practice. You know what I mean? Like I don't see the behind the scenes even getting ready for a practice yeah. during the season and then a whole off season. Right? I don't see any of that. So yeah, yeah. There's so much the kids <clears throat> fans expect so much. Whether it's volleyball, football, basketball. Uh, for the fans, expect the kids to be really great all the time, but they're also students and they're, they've got all these classes where the professors think their classes are pretty darn important um, and add all the traveling in and the kids have to do that and some remotely, some in person. It's, uh, it's tough and it'll continue to change as the conferences change. So um, for the team to be doing so well is fantastic and it's nice to be watching the progress. Uh, the staff has been doing a great job. Yeah. And I think student athletes get like a, a head start in time management that I didn't have in college, you know, and if you get that head start, because you have to, if you're not, yeah. you're going to fall behind, you're going to miss a lot of stuff if you don't have your time management executed down pretty well. And I think yeah. that's just something that sets them up for life after sports. Like just that little thing right there can, is a game changer for their post-college career. Right. And actually, most athletes will tell you that they are best academically when they are in season, because like you said, there is so structured that they have. And, uh, you know, when they're on the road, they've got study tables. They just sometimes get together as a team. They just sit and study. Um, but then in the spring, when they've got a little more time, less competitions, less, less travel, sometimes kids go, ah, I got time. I can put that off a little bit. Yeah. And so the that. grades might slip a little bit. But in season, they're focused. They're just they're just focused on competition, academics, staying eligible, which is tough at a, at a strong academic institution like mm -hmm. Wisconsin. So um, kudos to them. I mean, there are times that players would bring books on the plane or on the bus. And I look at that, it's like, I can't hardly read the title of that, that book. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know what that means, whatever science that is. So <laughs> it's impressive yeah. how smart some of these kids are. For sure. For sure. Uh, Pete, we should do a, a podcast again. Uh, we can, uh, get that arranged maybe for the future. But in the meantime, if anybody wants to hear Pete and I on the radio, we do all the home matches on the radio. Uh, and uh, if you're at the field house, we've got the pre pregame show about 10 minutes before the radio broadcast. We call it the potty cast uh, heard exclusively in the field house, certain areas, the, the restrooms. So uh, <laughs> check that out as well. And let me know if you're listening to that. If, if anyone is happen to catch this and is a listener to that. Thanks Pete. Good to see you again, John. All right, there you go. Pete, wait my radio broadcast partner and former Wisconsin volleyball head coach. All right. Thanks for listening to this edition of the John Cass podcast. Once again, I looked in the wrong, if you're watching on Spotify or YouTube, I'm looking at the wrong camera. Uh, thanks for listening to this edition of the John Cass podcast. Don't forget to sign up for my newsletter. If you like, I'm not going to spam you, spam you there. Also subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts and just get that going. So you don't miss a new episode. Thanks for listening to this edition of the John Cass podcast. Goodbye.